Hey, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is your host, Jim Cockrum. This is one of those special episodes where it's not just audio. If you're listening on your favorite podcast listening app today, you want to check out the show notes because there's a link to YouTube and we've got a guest who's on the screen with us today. Of course, I'm talking about my guest, Dan Miller. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him before I jump in and turn the microphone over to him. Uh, so if you go to silentgym.com slash podcast, you'll see all the resources and all the links. No need to take notes. If you're thinking and driving today, which we highly recommend, hey, don't take notes. Just relax knowing that silentgym.com slash podcast has all the links. We're going to talk about all the resources. Dan's going to share some really cool stuff. And let me just brag on Dan for a minute. He's been a mentor to thousands of business owners entrepreneurs, authors. This guy's connected. He knows everybody. This guy was in, you guys know who Dave Ramsey is. He was in Dave Ramsey's original mastermind group when these guys weren't known, when nobody knew who Dave Ramsey was. He goes way back. You'll hear, now that I've mentioned his name, actually, those of you who are fans of Dave Ramsey's show, you'll hear Dan mentioned all the time when someone calls in and says, I'm not happy with my career. I want to do something bigger with my life. And Dave will frequently recommend, hey, you got to check out Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Great book. You guys have heard his name around, but I've had the pleasure of getting to know this guy. And I also have the pleasure and the honor of when someone comes to Dan and says, hey, tell me about Amazon and online internet businesses. He sends a lot of people our way. So we've kind of got this mutual admiration society going. I think I'm the secretary of his admiration society and, and he's on the board of my admiration society. We just love what the other guys are doing. Uh, we have a lot in common. He and Joanne live on a beautiful piece of property that I've visited. That's his wife a handful of times, uh, along with some other great business leaders from around the world. Just a man after my own heart. We've had him speak at our events. And, and I think that's enough. I could go on for about half an hour about this guy and what he's meant to our family. But his topic today, before I turn the microphone over, is going to be the power of investing in yourself. Dan and I are going to talk about how do you invest in yourself? How much time, money, effort, and energy should I be putting into growing? How important is that? How do I do that? What's that look like? And Dan speaks very specifically to this topic in a brilliant way that I've never heard presented before. So with that as the introduction, Mr. Dan Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. The microphone is yours, my friend. Well, thank you, Jim. I'm honored to be your guest. And golly, just the things you were mentioning there made me relive some history together real quickly. Yeah, you, your material is the only material we recommend when people in our 40 Days audience are interested in doing something on Amazon. You're the go-to guy. Now, the, the topic I suggested, and we've talked about this before, is this idea of investing in ourselves. I was raised a Mennonite pastor's kid. Now, that kind of frames the idea that we didn't do things for our own benefit. It was sacrifice, service, ministry. That's the only thing that mattered. And the idea of doing something that would benefit just you was seen as selfish, greedy, and we were well aware of the Bible verse, pride goeth before the fall, and it would be seen as prideful. And yet, as I've grown up, I've experienced the power of investing in myself so that I can be more fully what God intended me to be, so that I can serve at a higher level. And so I thought it'd be fun to just share some of those stories today, and you have plenty as well. But when I was 13 years old, farm kid in Ohio, I somehow got a copy of Earl Nightingale's 
The Strangest Secret. It was a 33 and a third vinyl. So it was the same size as a 45, but it didn't have a big hole. It had a little hole. That's how far back this goes. It was the first audio recording that ever sold over 100,000 copies. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's super cool. Yeah. And I listened to this old, you know, gravelly voice guy talk about you become what you think about. Now, that's not a really a new concept. We hear about it in the Bible and certainly other places. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But that that's right. somehow that message really captured me as a 13-year-old kid. And I thought, it is possible that I could change what looks to be the direction of my life. Because my life looked like I was going to help my dad on a farm, and then I was going to be a farmer as well. Milk cows, 365 days a year, 5.30 in the morning, throw those sweaty hay bales in the middle of summer. That's where my life was going. I thought, is it possible I could expand my opportunities by just controlling my thinking? So I paid for that. I recently contacted Vic Conant, whose dad, Lloyd Conant, created the company, Nightingale Conant out of Chicago, where that little record, The Strangest Secret, was their first product. So I contacted Vic and I said, what did that sell for when Dan Miller was a 13-year-old? He said it was really very expensive. It was $15. <laughs> Which is a lot for you, I bet. Well, yeah. And in today's money, that would be $123.18. <laughs> so it was a lot. And yet I can track back so many things to having gotten that little $15 recording and the way that it shaped my thinking. Now, I had friends, you know, who were you know, buying video games and comic books and girly magazines, I suppose. Man, I started buying things that would help me develop personally. So I became a student and customer of the Nightingale Conant programs, those early masters of achievement like Jim Rohn and Napoleon Hill and Earl Nightingale and uh, Norman Vincent Peale, Dennis Waitley, Zig Ziglar, you know, all those guys. I was just a glutton for their material. And I'd listen to that again and again and again. That little recording, The Strangest Secret, I have no idea how many times I listened to that. But I'd be in my little bedroom upstairs, no heat or air conditioning upstairs in our farmhouse. And I'd pull out that little turntable and play that recording. Now, because of that, I've really developed kind of a model because I've had the pleasure of working with so many people over the years who struggle with this. Well, I can't afford to buy a book. I can't afford to get a course or go to a seminar or be involved in a mastermind. I'm thinking, no, it's never a matter of being able to afford it. It really is a matter of mindset. I mean, I've got a quotation from John Maxwell who says, if you say you don't have the resources to invest in yourself, you have a scarcity problem. You don't have an income problem. You have a thinking problem that says, I don't believe enough to invest in me. And it really is a thinking problem. So let me break this down a little bit because I recommend that people invest 3% of their income, their net income in themselves from dollar one, day one. When you get to $50,000 a year, then I recommend it actually goes to 5% then stay there and we'll work with some numbers. Well, let's just think about this a minute. If somebody makes $12 an hour, and that's a person who's likely to say, well, I can't afford to be you know, part of your ongoing training community or get your materials to help me get started online. Sure, I'd love to be one of those people. If you make $12 an hour, do the math on that, 3% times 
a month will open the world of opportunities to you. You can buy a couple books. You can get a course. You can be part of an online community. You can go to a workshop at $12 an hour. It's never a matter of money. It's a matter of priorities. And those same people, Jim, as you know, who tell us, well, geez, I could never afford that. You know, they go to the mall and they blow 120 bucks on a new handbag. They go out to eat, you know, blow 50 bucks. But no, I could never invest in something that really has the possibility of changing my life. Or, or a culture that has no problem at all with somebody. I was reading just a couple of days ago, a young lady in her early 20s had $170,000 of college student loan debt. Oh my gosh. Had just gotten her registered nurse license and was excited about it and was paying it down $1,000 a month. $1,000 a month at $170. That is so depressing. I can't conceive it. And I'm just thinking our culture pounds away. You've got to be educated. You've got to be educated. You've got to be educated. And what is education? Well, it's going to a college and it's going and that's education. And we're saying, no, self-education. I think it's a Jim Rohn quote, Dan, you may know, but getting a, what's it called? A, a public education. I think he says a public education or a college education. They'll get you a career. They'll get you a job. But self-education will make you rich. Something along those lines, right? Yeah. You know Uh which quote I'm talking about? I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just talking about a few dollars. You're talking about 3%. Set it aside and invest in yourself. And we're not just talking about buying mutual funds. We're talking about... Oh, no. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about something where you are in the driver's seat, where you have a guaranteed return, not the speculation of stocks and all that. As a matter of fact, you know, Robert Herkebeck is one of the sharks on Shark Tank. Sure. So brilliant guy, bazillionaire, all that. He says the greatest investment in your life isn't stocks, bonds, or real estate. It's the investment you make in yourself. Mm-hmm. And we hear people all the time. I mean, Warren Buffett says the best investment he ever made. Now you, you expect it's going to be, you know, in a, a 30 apartment complex that he bought or something. Gave me, no. He says the best investment he ever made was taking the Dale Carnegie program. He paid $100 to teach him how to speak more confidently. He says its best investment has given him more return than anything he's ever done. Warren Buffett. That's right. Who's worth billions. I've said it frequently on this show, this is another quote you're going to recognize, Dan, but it, it fits right in here. The only difference between who you are now and who you're going to be five years from now, I think this is another Jim Rohn is the content you're consuming. He says the books you're reading. I say the content you're consuming, what you're putting in your head, Dan Miller's podcast, other great leaders, the leaders you've mentioned, the stuff you're putting in your head, the self-education, and the people you hang out with, which isn't the topic of today's show. But if you start putting the right thoughts in your head, you're going to find yourself hanging out with the right people. Well, here's some, just if somebody's at that starting level, you know, I'm such a believer in books. Books opened up the world of opportunities for me like nothing else ever has. I love books. And so I was able to peer into the lives of those great masters of achievement because they wrote books, they produced audio programs, and I took advantage of those. There are five books that I recommend. I've got a bunch of grandkids, Jim, and I want my grandkids by the time they're 13 years old to read these five books. So if somebody's a little older than 13 and hasn't, They need to catch up. But so with that little bit of investment, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I knew that was going to be your top. That was the first (laughs) book I made Trey read. 
uh, he started showing interest in internet businesses and having his own business. I think he was probably 11 or 12. Okay. I've made the other boys read it as well, but man, he took that to heart and ran with it. Yeah, great first title. He ran with it and, and today he's showing the results of oh, finding yeah, those he's seeds. incredible business. Yeah. Well, another one is See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, and Acres of Diamonds by Russell Conwell. But I don't know of any way to change your level of success quicker than to read great books. Now, here's the, here's the thing, too. I don't recommend that people go to the library and take this book out. I want them to buy it. Your mindset changes when you invest in it. So don't just borrow it in the library and return it. You need to start a success library. And these are five books to start that process. And I bet every one of those books you just mentioned is available probably used on Amazon for less than five bucks. Absolutely. I mean, we're not talking about, you don't have to go buy a new hard copy, shiny, you know, $42, get it off Amazon. Someone else may have marked on it a little bit. A corner of the page might be bent, but we're talking about investing a few dollars. And one that I would add to the list, I find myself, let me just throw two since you've thrown five. Here's the two I find myself recommending. I haven't read, what was the fourth book you mentioned if you have your list? What was it called? Not the one right before Acres of Diamonds. Before Acres of Diamonds, uh, how did I go in that list? What was that? It was The Magic of Thinking Big. The Magic of Thinking Big. I haven't read that one yet. I'm going to have to check it out. Have you not? I've probably read it 20 times. Really? I've got to get it, man. I haven't read that one yet. But the two I find myself recommending a lot is Business Secrets from the Bible, our good mutual friend, Daniel Lappin, right? Uh Uh-huh. Huge influential book for me. I reference it all the time. And then The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. Oh my goodness. That's the guy, the pastor, he has a large church in Dallas who's given away every penny he has multiple times in his life. And he's got a lot of resources, gives it all away. And then God shows up immediately and puts him right back where he was again uh, in positions of power and, and leadership. And, and it's, you know, he truly sees every resource he has as stewardship. It, it's all God's and he tells me what to do with it incredible book about how God blesses and how we should be consider possessions and giving. And it's a great balance, you know, in this era of extreme wealth. I mean, you and I, Dan, we're in the top 1%. Yeah. Everyone listening to this is in the top 1%. In human history, we're in the top 0.01%. If you've got access to the internet and clean drinking water uh, and a roof over your head at night, you're in the top 1%. We're blessed. We're rich. So, you know, how should we manage this? So that, so I love those books. Those kind of balance me out that a lot of good stuff. The best-selling book in, all, in history, the Bible, of course, it's full of business content, just full of money and business content. So those are the books I like to throw on the list too. Um, is Absolutely. You, know, you can start, you can just grab the Bible and just start with Proverbs. You get all the business education you need right in there. Yeah. The topic of money and business is mentioned twice as much as the topic of love and prayer combined Wow! in the Bible. Isn't that incredible? Most people have no idea. Yeah. Golly. Well, one of the concepts, if we pull you know, from the Bible to kind of expand on that a little bit, Jim, is the idea of serving from a full cup. I know it's right. very common and certainly in Christian circles and how I was raised is you, you serve and you may end up totally depleted, not having anything. But the Bible teaches, and we certainly have some examples that there's a service from the, the Sabbath service that the Jewish families have where the dad 
has a silver goblet on top of a saucer. It's the only time the goblet is on top of the saucer in any of Jewish ceremony. And the dad pours wine into that goblet, continues to pour until it's full, and he continues to pour. It overflows into the saucer below, symbolically telling the family, we're going to go out tomorrow morning, do what we do in the marketplace with such excellence, it's going to fill our cup, and we're going to overflow our cup, overflow what we need for ourselves, and be able to serve out of the abundance that we have beyond that. Now, you don't do that if you don't think you have anything to offer. If you haven't taken the time to really learn something that has value, if you don't have the skills to do work that matters for people that cares, you end up having an empty cup. And that's a sad place to be. But if you do those things to build your skills, develop yourself so that you have something of value to offer to other people, you're going to fill your cup and you're going to have mountains of overflow in which to share with other people. Yeah, that abundance mindset. Now, if we move up a little bit, then in income. I mean, we can make the figures anything we want to, but if somebody moves up to where they're making $50,000 a year, so that's pretty average income for probably some people who are listening, $50,000. Well, that's where I recommend you go to 5%. That's $2,500 annually. Now, you can go to a really nice conference for that or be part of an ongoing membership community But you ought to be able to look at what is it that I'm going to do with that? So you budget that just like you would budget the light bill or budget your tithing or anything else. What are you going to do to invest wisely that $2,500 that you've got? Now, a few years ago, Jim, I've got an example where it was actually in 2006 where I wanted to learn a little bit more about teleseminars. And I thought, would people really pay just to pick up the telephone? This was back before we had... Access to webinars and Zoom calls like we're doing today and all that. Teleseminars. I was used to having people get together in a hotel conference room somewhere and they'd pay for that. But I thought, would people really pay just to pick up the telephone and listen in, not even having two way communication? Well, I, as soon as I want to learn a new area of content, I look for somebody who's an expert in that arena. I look to get coached by somebody who's really good. Well, there's a guy named Alex Mendozian still around. He had a course, Teleseminar Secrets. It was $1,800. Even my son said, geez, dad, you don't need to spend that money. We can figure this out. You know, we can, you've got a good audience. I mean, at the time, I think we had like 17,000 people on our email list or something. It's grown a lot since then, but it was, this was back a long time ago. And he said, we can just try it out. We can charge, you know, $7, $9 just to kind of test the waters. I said, nah, I want to learn right out of the gate how to do this well. Paid $1,800 for that course. And one of the things that Alex taught was ask your audience what they would pay. So we did. And people said, yeah, if it was, you know, 10 bucks, we probably wouldn't take it seriously. If it's 130, it's probably too much. We did our first teleseminar and charged $69. I did a little 70 minute presentation that I called right to the bank. W-R-I-T-E, we did a play on words, but it was how to turn your writing into real income. Because I had some pretty good success with 48 days materials at that point. So we did that. And I thought, well, if I can just recapture my initial cost on this, you know, I'll be okay. Not only did I recover my initial cost, after my costs were all taken care of, I deposited a little over $18,000 in my bank account that night. That was the very first teleseminar I ever did. Now, again, look at the numbers. I spent $1,800, netted over $18,000. Again, that 10x return that I've seen again and again and again. 
in 2002, I went to, I was, this was really back. Golly, you know, you mentioned Dave Ramsey and I've been friends. Yeah, we were friends when we were both. I mean, we didn't have two nickels grub together. And we cried together, tried to figure out what we were going to do. And we grew up and put our big boy panties on. And we kind of figured that out, started walking it out. In 2002, so that's a long time ago, I said, Dave, there's this conference in Los Angeles. This guy named Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, titled Mega Book University. He's going to tell how he's sold. At the time, it was about 100 million copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I said, let's go and listen to this guy. We did. Paid $695 to go to that conference. Took our wives with us, Sharon and Joanne. We went and sat there and listened to this gracious gentleman just share what he had done. You know what? I think I was there. I don't think- Are you serious? I, did you meet Tim Knox at that event? No, that was a later one. That was later. That was, okay. that was one in Orlando later. Okay. That's the one I was at. That would have really? been like, what, 2005, six, maybe. Huh. Something like that. Yeah. Well, I went back in 2006 and was on stage with Mark Victor Hansen at his request because they had the story of what had happened in those four years since. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, you were one of the presenters. Yeah, I was oh there. My I was at that event. I was investing in my own education. I was green uh, with all of this. Yeah. That's hilarious. Of course, we didn't know each other then. <laughs> no, sir. And you were I there. remember that, that just, I just, I knew I'd encountered you well before we established a relationship. That was where it was. Well, that's another example. So I'll just tell you what happened in the interim. So in 2002, I paid my $695 to go to Mark Victor Hansen's Megabook University. Sat there, took notes, came back. Man, I just started doing what he said. I just, I didn't have a publishing deal. I was just sharing material I was using in my Sunday school class that I then called 48 Days to the Work You Love. Had it in a three-ring binder, had two cassettes in there printed just on one side. So it had a, a bigger thump factor. And I started selling that. Well, Dave Ramsey was on the radio. He was building his radio show. And every time somebody called and said, gee, we can't make our budget work. You need to get my buddy Dan Miller's material, 48 Days to the Work You Love. We were adding a thousand people a week to our mailing list. And we started selling that unit at $39. Well, in the next 30 months after I came back from that Mark Victor Hansen seminar, I sold over $2 million worth of that three ring binder at 39 bucks a piece. Wow. What a great story. I never knew <laughs> yeah. that part of your story. Also in that period of time, I was approached by publishers and I signed with B&H Publishing initially for the hardback version of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Got a $15,000 uh, advance. Okay. Well, that book really took off. New York Times bestseller. In the next two years, there was a bidding war for my next book. Random House was a publisher of No More Dreaded Mondays. I got a $300,000 advance. Now think again through what happened in just those four years. I paid $695 to go to that conference. I got two book deals, one at $15,000, one at $300,000. So in 2006, when you saw me apparently in Orlando, I was back on stage with Mark Victor Hansen telling how I had implemented what I had learned. That's right. And I was there with some buddies of mine. We were very green and just blown away by the stories <laughs> and really ignited a fire under me to get more serious about my silent sales machine book, which at that point was just a PDF I was selling. I think maybe even still at that point, possibly just on eBay. Like you, you had to get on eBay to buy it. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to get this out. I got to get more serious. I got to get this thing in print. I got to get 
that was the event that inspired. And that book has sold, you know, we, we blew past a million copies a long time ago and it's in wow. version 10 now. That's kind of my flagship book, The Silent Sales Machine. Yours is a 48-day book. Mine yeah. is The Silent Sales Machine book. And we're both advocates of, hey, write a book. I've told so many people, if you're in any kind of leadership or success position, or even if you just want to document your journey on your way to success or leadership, everybody's got a book. You've got to write a book at some point. And I know you're an advocate of that as well, but that's what an incredible story and how these paths have kind of just kind of crossed and complemented each other in many ways. I'm sure many people listening to this show today are like, hey, I've got both those books. And they, yeah, that's crazy (laughs) how our paths intersected. And we just discovered it on today's podcast. Isn't this great? Behind the scenes stuff. Well, I started 48 days. I mean, that material came out of a Sunday school class. I was teaching Sunday school class. I had no intention of turning that into part of my business. I mean, I'm a sales guy, an entrepreneur. I've got a lot of ideas going on. But people kept asking for more. They kept asking for more time, for more content. And finally, you know, my wife said, my wife Joanne said, if you're going to spend this much time working with people, this ought to have something to do with our income. And when I did, it was like somebody threw gasoline on everything I was doing. So again, it started with me teaching a Sunday school class. but serving well, providing something that people really wanted, and then giving them tangible resources so they could implement it in their own lives, allowing them to get some skin in the game. Yeah, those early years, I mean, we sold, yeah, well over, you know, well, three, four million dollars worth of that three-ring binder before I ever talked to a publisher. I love, I love, and you just said, put some skin in the game. Let me come at this from a skeptic's vantage point for a moment, because one of the questions we hear around here, and I know how I answer this one, but I think you're going to help me tweak my answer a little bit. And there's many listeners who may be sitting back today, even thinking this, it's, and we, we see this in our forums frequently. It's this question, Dan, I can get on YouTube and learn whatever I want about whatever I want. I don't have to pay a dime. Why should I invest in somebody's course or content? Now, there's some, there's some fallacies in the assumption that you can learn anything about anything on YouTube, but let's set that aside for a moment because it's a, truly a crazy jungle out there. But let's say you're able to filter somehow and find just the great content. What's the difference between just watching a free lecture and yeah. investing? I'll tell you a really clear example on that. So I was teaching a Sunday school class and I would have people say, golly, Dan, you know, I need to get together with you. Can I spend a couple hours with you? And have you just helped me you know, really break this down, discover God's purpose for my life, develop a resume, whatever. Well, sure, I was doing that a lot. When I started charging for that as well, started attracting people who were outside the church and professionals. You know, I was all of a sudden I was having physicians, dentists, attorneys, pastors showing up saying, you know, people see me as doing pretty well, but I'm not sure I'm on the right path. And they would not come see me if I was just some nice guy at church. They come see me if I'm a professional life coach. But here's the real critical part in what you're, what you're asking, Jim. My wife, Joanne, was doing all my scheduling then. I was working on my uh, doctorate at, at the time. I was going back and forth to England because I was working on my doctorate through Oxford. And she'd get all these calls. She's really the one that took the initiative and just started putting prices to my time instead of me being free. Here's what blew her mind. 99% of the no-shows were in people... Who are going to come in for free. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, man? Inaction, yeah. not following through, no mm-hmm. transformation, the people who are coming in for free. She was blown away. She has a real heart for service. You know my wife. I mean, she would give anybody the shirt on her back. She yeah. was blown away at what she just observed. People who paid 
showed up on time, they took action, they implemented the ideas and transformed their lives. Those who just showed up for free, two years later, the same position, the same story. There's something visceral that happens when you invest in the process that doesn't happen when you just watch a free YouTube thing. Now, I use YouTube. I love the resources that are there. And there's so much available. There's, you know, there's really no content that we can't have access to. Jim, I'm part of a, I'm part of strategic coach. I'm sure you're familiar with that out of Toronto. It's a very pricey coaching process. I've been coaching other people 30 years. Why would I do that? Why would I? Because I believe so much in this principle that I don't want to break the process of what I've experienced. I am, I stand in fear that if I don't invest back in the process, it'll sabotage the success I've been able to experience. I believe in that principle every bit as much as I believe in the principle of the tithe. If we tithe, we really give lip service the idea that we believe at some level, the 90% we keep somehow magically becomes more than the 100% if we had kept it all to ourselves. I believe in this principle every bit as much. So no matter what my income was, I'm looking for how can I spend that 5%? And I, I had, uh, last year, I went to Jeff Goins Tribe Conference. Well, it was right here in Franklin. I knew it would be a great conference. And so I was one of the very first ones, registered, paid for my ticket, had my ticket. Well, I showed up at the conference and I was sitting in the back with some friends and everybody was like, gee, Dan, when are you going to speak? Well, I'm not. What do you mean? What do you, people should somehow assume that at some level of success, you would not just go to a workshop or, I mean, they're crazy. I mean, even Jeff asked me, he said, good grief, I would have given you a ticket. I said, I know you would, but then my commitment would be different to absorbing the material. I look for opportunities like that where I can go and invest. I mean, I've got the resources I've got, you know, books and audio programs and online memberships that I'm part of. My goodness. I do it because I know what it does for me. Even if I don't totally utilize the resources, it just helps with my mindset and helps with this principle of moving me forward because I so believe in the concept we're talking about. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I've observed is people who see value in it want to spend the money. You know, if that that's our way of, as our friend Daniel Appen says, you know, that all money is is a certificate of appreciation. So the people who truly value and truly appreciate what you have to offer, they're going to spend the money. And as I look back over in our community, I've been doing this long enough now, 15, 17 years, right? And seeing these people who first bought a copy of one of our earlier books and they've grown, maybe they bought coaching from us. They've been in our community. Now they're a coach for us. They're a leader. And you look back at the trail, they were willing to invest all along the way because they knew they were showing a tangible show of the value that they perceived of what we were providing them. They were aware that there's a, there's a tangible value. I want to show appreciation in a tangible way that allows this to continue for others. Those people rise in the ranks. The people who just try to sit back and get everything they can while investing as little as possible, that's a very different growth trail. You can still get there that way. It's going to take you a lot longer. You're not going to benefit from the relationships as much. Yeah. You know, You mentioned Jeff, you paid for his event when you didn't have to. How much does he appreciate that? How much are you now top of mind if he needs a keynote speaker next year? How much well, are the next, you <laughs> notice? 
I was a keynote speaker the next year. <laughs> there you go, man. And I had no idea that that was the case. But you, yeah. that's when you put that money on the table and you go, no, no, I, I insist I must pay because this is a certificate of appreciation for the work that you've done. That's an abundance mentality as opposed to a poverty mentality. And people like being around people with an abundance mentality. You're establishing that. You're internalizing that message inside yourself. It's evidence for yourself that you don't have a poverty mentality when you invest your money in great content and materials. That's one of the yeah. ways that I would state it. And I just kind of, it's kind of almost sounds tweetable. I've never said it that way before, but you've got to crush that poverty spirit inside of you. One way to do it is to invest in great content and materials to grow yourself. You know, I, I have here on my computer a little yellow post-it note that's been there for probably three years. It's a quotation from my friend, Jim Cockrum. <laughs> hey, I know and you know what it says? It says, being profitable means I get to continue serving people without asking for donations. That just, talk about tweetable, that just absolutely stuck in my mind when you said that. I hand wrote it and it's right here in my computer monitor. Mm. I mean, there's value in being profitable. It expands our ability to give and serve. Somebody this morning asked me about, he wants to work with, with teenagers in high schools and really help them understand clearly their purpose, their plan, what that means in terms of a career that matters. I said, man, that's fantastic. But I said, you're going to have a hard time making that a real viable business. Why don't you include that as part of what you do? Those same principles are applicable for millennials, baby boomers, people who are just retired, entering a second career. Do it there where people are more able to write checks for that. We do a lot in the high school and college arena, but that's probably 1% of my revenue. It doesn't come from that. It comes from other parts of our business where we're able to do those areas that you would consider ministry in a typical kind of way. Yeah, we do that. But it's because we've established other ways to make the business very profitable. That's beautiful. Yeah. I see uh, there's a war in our culture and there's a lot of division lines you can draw pro-life, pro-choice, and you know this issue, that issue. But that one of the issues to me is how you interpret that word profit. You see the word P-R-O-F-I-T as an evil, bad thing, or you see it as a beautiful, it's evidence that someone's serving someone well. That's all it is. It's evidence that somebody serves somebody else really, really well. So it's either an evil thing. And I see us as being on kind of on the front lines of going, whoa, whoa guys, profit's Profit's a beautiful thing. And not to go too far down a bunny trail here, but since the topic's kind of on the table now, in the Hebrew language, which, uh, you know, this is something I learned from our good friend, Daniel Lappin, in the Hebrew language, the word for wealth, the opposing principle isn't poverty. The opposing principle, if you turn the letters backwards, which you can do with many Hebrew words, you get the opposing principle. The opposing principle is evil. Meaning if a culture wow. isn't producing wealth for everybody, wealth is impossible to keep to yourself. It's out there doing things constantly. Unless you bury it in your backyard, which is unbiblical, it's going to be doing great for everybody. So wealth either exists or it doesn't. And if wealth doesn't exist in a culture, there's not opportunities for wealth and abundance. We know what is ruling that culture. Well, it, there's something out of whack. Something's out of alignment. And it's a poverty mindset that's taken hold at some level. And it's a beautiful concept. And, and ICS has been on the front lines, to make my point, 
of those who say, hey, profit is a beautiful thing. Business is a beautiful thing. Serving others so well that they want to give you certificates of appreciation, also known as dollars, in exchange for your services and goods. That's a beautiful thing. It lifts all of us. That's a battle that I can almost see. You can almost see it in somebody's countenance and know which side of that line that they're on. Would you agree with that? Oh, my, you, you can hear it in their words, how they frame things. You know, there's so much of the victim mentality. Gee, the government owes me, you know, the church owes me, whatever. My parents shouldn't have done this 40 years ago. Come on, my goodness. Open yourself up to the opportunities that are there for everybody. And I, you know, I, I mean, we obviously won the lottery in some ways in terms of where we were born and all that. I realize that. Absolutely. Yeah. The time we're born in, the tools, the internet we have. But anyone listening to this right now, don't feel sorry for yourself because you've got access to these same resources, this internet. Absolutely. And golly, I was, you know, I was not born into a family of privilege. We were extremely poor. I remember we bought one Guernsey cow and milked that cow by hand twice a day. And then we got 10 and 15 ultimately got automated milkers, but it was a long way down the road because we were poor. My, I used to, for Christmas, my typical Christmas present was a new pair of blue jeans and an orange. That was my Christmas. Wow. We didn't, I didn't get toys. Let me, let me ask you, were you aware of your status of how little means you had compared to peers and others at his child? I was because I saw peers of mine who got you know, metal toys that they played with and things that we just did not have. Now, part of it was, I'll have to frame that because I'm not sure how much of it was economics and how much was theology. Mm. See, in our family, the idea of having fancy things that would just be a splurge were never done. My mom and dad went out to eat one time a year on their anniversary Whatever Friday was closest to that, they would go to Howard Johnson's and have fish. Hojo's. That was it. We <laughs> never went out as a family. I don't remember ever in my wow. 20 years of being going out to eat as a family. Wow. Yeah. So what a transition. Did you have a poverty mentality coming out of that? I struggled with that. I thought, how can this be right? Mm-hmm. How can it be honorable to not have anything? I just... I, I couldn't understand that. And of course, as a teenager, and I was exposing myself to all those big thinkers that I mentioned, it stretched my thinking. What these guys are saying, and I look at them and admire the kind of lives I'm seeing there, and people with integrity, Zig Ziglar, you know, high principles and integrity, talked about his faith openly. Now that, how does this jive? This doesn't match what I'm seeing here. So I actually, I left my parents' church when I was 16. That's a pretty tough transition when your dad's a pastor. It was a very, very tough time. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, time is a wonderful healer over time. You know, dad, in his later years, you know, he'd have my books in the nursing home where he lived and would proudly show those to other people. He never, you know, he never really quite understood what I do. I mean, he understood planting a field of corn. You harvest the corn, take it to market. You milk the cows, you sell the milk. But me? You get paid for thinking, for writing, for speaking. He never really quite understood this information space that you and I are so privileged to be in. But he, we certainly had a wonderful relationship in, in my later years. But it was a tough transition to move away from the theology that honored poverty. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a soul crushing existence. That's just not wow. necessary. One of the borderline unpopular things that I say uh, about the American culture, and I've had some even debates with some really good people from, you know, good leaders and even that like love both of us and hang out with us. And they disagree with me on this, but I don't think there's any poverty in the United States. True biblical poverty is, I don't know if I'll ever eat again and I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. That's biblical poverty. That's pretty much been wiped out. Now there's people of very little means, but I would argue they live better than Kings did 200 years ago. If you happen to be fortunate enough to live in the United States, uh, you're living better than Kings did 200 years ago. Again, you're you right. clean drinking water. Are you kidding me? You go to the yeah. emergency room and they're going to take care of you. They're not going to ask, you know, hey, we need $1,000 up front. No, they're just, they're going to heal you. They didn't have that 200 years ago, right? So, I mean, we're very fortunate and blessed to live in the time we're in. And the reason I like pointing that out is because it's thoughts like that that can break down any remnants of poverty mentality you might have if you put yourself in, in contrast with how rough others have had it. And I didn't grow up with much, but it wasn't quite like what you just described. It wasn't an orange and a pair of jeans for Christmas. I mean, I remember getting some nice presents and our grandparents. And, but, you know, on the income scale, yeah, we were on the lower end for sure. And I was raised on 50 acres on a farm. But I think some of those farm lessons, both you and I, there's something here. And it taught us a lot about entrepreneurship. It taught us a lot, a lot about putting a little seed in the ground. And look, you know, you get a thousand seeds and you can eat some of them and sell some of them and plant some of them. And that's God's nature. There's an abundance here. I think some of those lessons may be sunk in somewhere along the lines for us because I see a lot of kids raised on farms understanding entrepreneurship almost inherently instinctually. Um, so maybe there were some benefits there. I love the lessons learned there. I really value that a lot. I have zero resentment about how I grew up because, you know, yeah, you learn a little bit of carpentry, a little bit of mechanics, a little bit of construction, all those kind of things you learn. And when I was when I was a kid of 10 years old, I saw our big garden there. And my mom would put up, freeze, and can all the corn we could possibly have and all this good sweet corn still out there. I'd get up at like 4.30 in the morning just before the dew even disappeared. I'd pick corn, put it in. We had a little wagon that went like a trailer that went behind our, our one little tractor. And I'd put corn in there and I'd drive two miles out to the paved road and I'd put up my little sign, a dozen sweet corn. 30 cents. Wow. But I started seeing opportunities like that everywhere. Mm -hmm. I ordered out of the back of a magazine Christmas cards. Now, our neighbors weren't next door. Our neighbors were like a mile away. I would ride my bike and go to doors in the middle of winter to sell Christmas cards and take orders. I would. We lived on a dirt road, and once in a while, they'd come through and put a little oil down just in certain patches just to kill the dust a little bit. Well, then the oil would get on cars. I would clean all the oil off, hand wax a car, and I would do that for 20 bucks. And I, I saw opportunities everywhere, yeah. and I've just, never, I've just never quit that. But here's how, here's how thinking, if you believe there are opportunities, if you have the mindset, if you believe that earned money is a godly, honorable way to go. I mean, today, I mean, I'm very humbled to realize that today on a good day, I make more money than my dad ever made in a year. Well, that's yeah. really humbling. Isn't that incredible? There's another concept that is kind of revealed in that. Yeah, and I know you're familiar with this, and that's the upper limit challenge. Sometimes we have an idea of what we deserve, and so we sabotage our opportunity to walk into that, even if the door is open. 
Now, a quick example of that is if we see a kid in Alabama, you know, in the projects, abject poverty, but man, he has a throwing arm like you never saw. We bring him to Nashville, here where I live. We sign him with the Tennessee Titans, give him a $10 million bonus. What happens? Six months later, he spent the money and more, sabotaged his career beyond repair. He's back where he came from because his sense of deserving didn't match the reality of what he experienced. We have to be prepared for that. There are a lot of people in your audience and in my audience who are not going to just get a 3% raise this year because there's been another time you're in the job. They have the potential to triple and quadruple the highest income they've ever experienced. But it takes more than just good business savviness to do that. You have to have the right mindset and preparedness for that or it'll never work. That's right. Yeah. Man, that's a topic we could unpack all day long. Man, these are such fantastic topics. Yeah, I, I find my in my mind, I'm like, oh, there's about eight bunny trails I could go down right now. I don't know <laughs> if I want to do that or not. But yeah, I mean, you look at the lottery winners, how many yes. of them are just destitute within a couple of years, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll take somebody who's willing to invest in themselves three or 5% of their income and, and grow slow and steady, which we preach around here all the time, slow and steady growth, slow and steady growth. I'll invest and take a bet and take time to educate that person over someone that's like, okay, I've got $50,000. I want to spend it right now. How do I turn this into a million? Coach me. No, that's slow and steady. Let's work on leadership. Let's work on creativity. Let's, let's absorb content on a regular basis from great leaders, great thinkers. And I love that this is, a, this is an online business podcast. People who come to listen to consume this show might be thinking to themselves, you guys haven't given me one tip yet about how to make more money through the search engine optimization or what I should sell on Amazon or, you know, we've got plenty of podcast episodes on that. But this, these are the important episodes. These are the heart issue episodes. If you don't have things fixed internally, if you're not thinking right, as Dan has illustrated marvelously, and we could do a whole nother three or four episodes on that topic, your success isn't going to happen. It's just not going to be there. I've been doing this long enough now to know it's not just a matter of somebody give me the right tips, what to sell, what technique, what strategy, click this button, go to this website. That's not good enough. If we can't get rid of the poverty mentality inside of you, oh my, it's hopeless. Yeah. All the educational content in, in the world that you stuff inside your head is not going to help. So we're addressing investing in yourself. Absolutely. And build that foundation, right? And we tell people you need to have the right mindset, the right idea, and the right network. Hmm. Now, I focus on those. It's funny when you talk about, you know, we aren't giving those technology tips about how to do SEO and how to get 5,000 more Facebook likes or whatever. I, my knowledge in those areas is so minimal, I can't even describe it because those are not the areas where I try to become really proficient. I have such a great team around me. It's so easy to get people who understand that. My goal is to focus on the mindset, the idea, the network. Those are the things that I want to focus on. And so I may go to a conference that's on a topic where I'm not going to be involved at all because I'm looking for what are the success principles? I mean, if I go to Warren Buffett, I've never invested a penny in the stock market. It's just, I can't get my head around turning my money over to somebody and hope they're smarter than I am. And I've never taken the, the time to understand that well. So I invest in other things that I do understand well. But would I go to a seminar with Warren Buffett, Warren Freeman? Absolutely. Because 
The same principles that have fueled his success there are transferable to what I do. So I'm looking for those principles, those concepts, not just technology. Boy, that's a drop in the bucket. And it, and the funny thing, it changes. Some of the things I've described doing happened before we had blogs, podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, before we had any of those things. It doesn't matter. You could move those things away today. Our business is not dependent on that. It's mindset. It's our belief system. Jim Cockrum and Dan Miller are going to be just fine if all those things go away today, right? That's right. That's right. You know, something else that occurs to me, you said, you said uh, mindset, ideas, and network, right? Yes. Those are the three things that you just can't outsource. As your business grows, you can hire people to take care of a lot of different things. But if you're not keeping your head straight, if you're not working on your network, building relationships, you know, putting new content in here, keeping your, you know, that, that's one of the reasons I run, buddy. I swear by it because I call it my daily fast. That's my time with God, my time to think, clear my head. What are my true priorities, that things I got to get done today? I don't know till I get back from my run a lot of days. No one can do those things for me. You know, I can't outsource those. So as you, as your business grows, you're a leader. It's a leadership activity. Growing a business is, and you've got to be working on your leadership. You can't outsource that stuff. You can outsource someone to put tape on boxes. You can outsource somebody to proofread your book. That's right. You can outsource a lot of this stuff, but you can't outsource those. So be working on them from the very beginning. Set good habits from the very beginning in those arenas. That's right. Don't get bogged down with, with details. Focus on the big picture and it'll move you forward. That's right. Now, some people who are new, they don't have the luxury. Like they're, they're outsourcing products. They're putting tape on boxes. They're shipping an extra $500 a month is a really big deal to them. But what Dan and I are saying to you, if you're in that stage is don't wait to start investing in mindset and relationships and putting the right ideas in your head. Those things are important right now. That's the foundation that you're building all of this on. It's not technique and strategy that's important. It's what's going on in your head and your heart, becoming that leader. So later when your business is is succeeding, you're the right person who's ready for that success. You can sustain that success. Yeah. You know, I certainly don't want to give the impression that all I do is just think and don't do any of the grunt work. When we were growing this, Back in those days when Dave Ramsey was talking about 48 days and I was sending out those three-ring binders, guess who did those three-ring binders, putting in the cover back and spine? Dan and Joanne Miller and their three kids. Our kids can tell you stories about putting those together, peeling the back off those cassette wells and putting them in there, those lick and stick cassette wells, putting them together. And, and I would go to the post office every day with boxes sending those out. I told Joanne, when we get to 100 orders a week, I'll get it out of the house. Now, think about that. That's a lot of activity. We actually went past that and had a young gal who then lived in our upstairs bonus room for another year when we went way beyond that. But in those early days, you better believe it. I was punching holes, putting those things together, sliding the covers in. And taking them to the mailbox <laughs> or the post right. office. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that period of intense focused effort that every business goes through. You got to be in the trenches, man. That You'll appreciate it as, as your business grows and you can move away from those stages. Absolutely. Let's start to land this plane, Dan. This has been a tremendous episode. And 
and for the listeners, I hope you enjoy. I mean, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as Dan and I did. Because when we get to hang out, we can go in all different. Dra- you should hear our phone calls. This has kind of been like Dan and Jim hanging out on one of their phone calls that don't happen often enough because we just really, uh, you know, these are the kind of people you want to have in your life. Though I hope the listeners today have a Dan Miller in their life, someone that they can call that's a little further down the road than they are and doing life the right way. You've been a mentor to me, man, but I want to make sure that the listeners have the benefit of any, bringing any points home that you want. And I, I know you guys have some cool stuff going on too with 48 Days. You know, how can someone be involved in what you've got going on? I want to hear about that as well. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Well, you know, I love books and resources that we have. We've got a lot of those. But the thing I'm most excited about is our 40 Days Eagles community because not everybody can right out of the gate come to me for personal coaching. You know, not everybody can be part of my mastermind. And I felt like there was a gap between the $20 book and a coaching process. So we've got this online community and I am so excited about what's happening there. But here's what excites me, Jim. It's the generosity of people who are on this path together with us. Mm. It's not just everybody pulling at my coattails, you know, one. It's people who share. When we have somebody who asks a question in there, I mean, in the time when you and I have been talking, there have been you know, 20 questions asked in there. I can go in there and any one of those is going to have 10 answers already before I even get there. That's what excites me about it. It's that synergy of people with the right mindset who come together and then share. Not having the idea of scarcity. Gee, if somebody takes my idea, then I don't know. A rising tide raises all ships. We believe that so strongly. So people can just go to 48dayseagles.com and see the exciting things that are happening there. Now, we've also got some things, yeah, I'd love for your people to experience. I know you'll put up a, a unique link for people to go. I want to, I've got a little video of that idea of serving from a full cup. It's just five minutes long. It's me demonstrating with three different size goblets that principle of how beautiful it is to serve from a full cup. I believe so strongly in that principle, Jim. You know my mastermind. Every member of my mastermind has an actual silver goblet that sits on a saucer. And when we have our weekly calls together, I see that in the background again and again. But I want a visual reminder of that principle, not just a head concept, but a visual reminder of how powerful that principle is. We've also got just a resource of how to build a business with 15 hours a week. See, a lot of people think, well, gee, I can't afford to give up my job. Don't. Don't give up your job. There are so many things today that can be done starting small. But if you use 15 hours a week and you segment that into four distinct areas of activity, you can't use 15 hours a week to just accumulate more knowledge. That's a trap. People, gee, they do nothing but read books, go to pod or listen to podcasts, go to conferences, and all they do is just fill their head with knowledge. No, you have to put that time into other areas as well. But we've got a a resource for that, how to use 15 hours a week. So just fun stuff. I love sharing with your audience, Jim. Love you and what you're doing. I know your integrity and what you stand for. You're the kind of guy I want to have, I want to link arms with in life and walk together, man. Well, you, you've certainly walked me through some rough times and I've, I've called you nervous at a couple of points and you've talked me down and, and, uh, it's, it's just been, it's been truly a pleasure having you in my life and, and I'm grateful and I love getting to share you with this audience. 
um, I think what we're going to do for the listeners, one of the links we're going to stick in the show notes so that you don't miss any of the resources Dan talked about. His team is going to connect with our team and make sure that if you go to 48days.com slash secret, if you're taking notes, if you're driving or running or out busy, remember all you got to do is go to silentgym.com slash podcast. Same link we reference every time. Go there in the show notes. There'll be a link to 48days.com slash secret. And when you're spelling out 48 days, it's just the number four, the number eight, and then the word days.com slash secret. And that's going to be everything that Dan and I just talked about. So if, you, if for some reason we forgot something that we promised you and it's not there, hey, let us know and we'll stick it on there, okay? So the audience can help keep us accountable for all that great stuff that we promised today uh, as just kind of free gifts for those, those who hung out with us today as well as some other resources of Dan's. But man, what other, any, any stories come to mind or any tips or strategy, anything you want to drop on us? I mean, I, I know you're the kind of guy I can put on a spot and say, hey, buddy, Hit me with something good and you're going to have it. So as we land this plane and close this episode out, any last words of encouragement for the, for the listeners today or anything that, uh, that you feel like we maybe skimmed over too quickly? Well, I, let me give you just one other quick story that I absolutely love. This just happened this week. I had a young guy on as my guest in our Eagles community. Every Monday we have a call and I had him on. His name's Michael. He's been listening to my podcast for a long time. I actually listened way back when I was on live radio with Dave Ramsey here in Nashville. So that goes way back. Been a listener. Has had the same job for 24 years. But he thought, man, I keep hearing Dan talk about all these opportunities. I want to try something. He paid $19 for a course to teach him how to sell an online product. His wife was resistant to him spending the $19, but he talked her into it. Last year, the idea that he developed, what he did, I'll tell you what, he, he chose one high-end product, one product only, and put it online, and then understood, got some help to know how to attract some traffic there. Last year, that little sideline business netted him more than twice his annual salary in the job where he's a very respected professional, more than twice. Now, he's a very conservative guy. He didn't burn any bridges. He's still debating whether or not he's going to leave his real job or not. But it took a $19 investment, took the risk, and grew it into an unbelievable, profitable business like that. I mean, I love those stories. But somebody has to, they, they can't just stick their toe in the water. They have to commit. They have to do something. They have to say, you know, to, we have to get rid of the word risk. And I, like, I, I think this is a good point to end on. I hate the word risk in the way that most people use it. Because they assume it's like going to Las Vegas and you and I put the titles to our cars down on a roll of the dice. I mean, that's stupid. That is risky because we have no control over the outcome. That's not what we're talking about here. If I go to a conference and spend $2,000, that's not risky. I'm looking for one idea, one idea that's going to add $20,000 to my income the next year. That's not unreasonable. I've gone to lots of conferences uh, Michael Hyatt, a friend of mine, is involved in a strategic coach as I am. He says he's never gone to one of our full days in Chicago where he hasn't left with a million-dollar idea. But we invest a lot of money in being part of that program. But that's our mindset. This is not like buying a consumable, a big-screen TV. This is an investment. It's not an expense. It's an investment. So it's not risky because we already have the mindset knowing we're going to benefit in ways we can't even describe. And I, I love that. And it ties very well to 
one of the lessons I try to drive home constantly in regards to the, the era. I, one of the things I feel like I was put on the planet to do is wake people up to the era we're privileged to live in. You go back in history, 100, 500, 1,000, you know, 3,000 years ago, and you say, I'm an entrepreneur. Oh my goodness. I mean, you, your odds of success, and still people today say, man, the odds of success, so many businesses fail in certain number of years. And we've seen the statistics and people get disheartened. But I say, there's never been a better time in human history because the cost of failure has never been as low as it is now. It's so easy to experiment. It's so easy to buy a $19 course and take a shot. No kidding. What's the worst case scenario for that gentleman had it all just kind of fallen flat, which it probably could have. Maybe it did the first six times he tried. So you spend a few bucks, you set up a website, you read a few books, it doesn't work. Big deal. I mean, even in the 60s and 70s, even Dan, starting a business meant probably getting an MBA to even begin to attract the investors that you hope to get with a five-year plan that you had to write a business plan. Who even knows what that is today? And then you gather your investors and and only 10% of them are interested and the other 90% think you're nuts. So you get as much money as you can. You build a building, you hire a staff, you finally start making your product. This is four years into the process and you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then your marketing team comes in and hopefully works some magic and they've all got to be paid in advance. And your odds of success are, you know, one in 50. Like yeah. that was building a business until like 20 years ago, right? And now you're like, oh, I bought a $19 course and set up a website. I, I bought some stuff and flipped it on Amazon. I, I got on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I took a few pictures with my cell phone and sold a bunch of this homemade item my wife's been making. And now it's turned into an extra $8,000 a month for us. You know, starting a business is so easy now. So it yeah, is. that word risk needs to be removed from our vocabulary. I'm right there with you in regards to talking about internet and online opportunities. Because if you're doing it right, and doing it right, by my definition, Dan, is don't write big checks. There you go. You're doing it right if you're not writing huge Mm. checks, taking big gambles. Don't bet your mortgage on this internet opportunity you heard about. No, take little baby steps. Invest a few hundred bucks. Invest that 3% or that 5%, like Dan said. Slowly fill your head with the right ideas. Surround yourself with the right people. You're unstoppable now if you're willing to do life that way. So, man, this has been a great episode. I really enjoyed this, Dan. Oh, thanks. Me too. I love these conversations. I never get tired of talking about these things. You know, that's you hear people talk about their jobs and, geez, they're bored out of their mind. They quit liking it 20 years ago. And I'm thinking, how sad. I get up every morning just exploding with new ideas like you. I mean, I, I hit the treadmill instead of going out because that's when I listen to podcasts, get inspiring, positive, pure, clean, inspirational material in my head and start the day on a full run. Love it. Beautiful. Well, let me just thank the listeners here, Dan, who've hung out with us today and, and those who stuck around the whole time. This is one of our longer episodes. We don't usually go this long. So, hey, thanks for hanging out with Dan and I today. And I can say from Dan and I both, hey, God bless you business building warriors. And Dan may not have heard me say that, but he knows exactly what I mean. And I know the listeners do too, because our culture is kind of stacked against us. They're going to think you're nuts. You're going to have family that goes, what are you doing? Why don't you just go get a real job like everybody else? But no, that's not good enough for business building warriors. We know we can build something special and carve out our space in this new frontier. And it's going to take a warrior spirit to do it. You know, that's why we're here to encourage you. We're in your corner. Dan's in your corner. I'm in your corner. The community that he's built, which overlapped greatly with the community that I built, a lot of good people belong to both. Man, we're here for you. 
So God bless you in your efforts. We stand with you. We're cheering for you every step of the way. And you know we'll have more great episodes very soon. And hey, big shout out to Dan Miller. Again, that link I'm going to mention one last time, 48days.com slash secret. Go there, get all the resources Dan talked about today and check out his stuff. Cool dude. Thank you, my friend, for being here today. Great episode. Hey, my honor, Jim. Totally. All right. God bless you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.